Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Well, when you think of people with lots of money, names like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett come to mind, but most of their money is in the form of virtual currency as electronic bits. This week, we'll be talking with someone who makes $850 million a day and sees it all in cash. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing produces the U.S. currency notes. We will speak with Leonard Aliar, the director, and Lydia Washington, the lead public affairs specialist, about what goes into the printing process, various ways in which bills are made more accessible to people with visual impairments, new ways that are being considered and tested, and how you can obtain a free money identifier from them. And later in this episode, we'll take you along on a tour of their facility, where they actually make the currency. But first, for a tip of the week. This week, we actually have two. The first tip comes from Lydia Washington. Whenever you receive currency, check your security features. That's why we put them there. It's for self-authentication. It assists you, and it also assists us and the rest of the federal government when we need to authenticate money to make sure that, you know, thieves aren't getting the best of us. (laughs) And we'll be hearing more about some of the security features that are put into U.S. currency. And if you have some bills that aren't in too good of a shape anymore, and we've all seen those, here's Len Aliar with a tip about what you can do with those. In addition to uh, printing currency, we actually have a, a very interesting function here in that we redeem mutilated currency for the public. And that's currency that's been significantly damaged uh Recently, we've been getting cases from California where cash was in people's safes when, they're, unfortunately, their house burnt down and they didn't have time to grab anything because if you saw the fires, it was uh, quite a disaster there. And th- they can actually box up the ashes and send them into us. And we've got people who are trained to determine what is the value of that currency. And they actually put things back together again. We've got a large number of people who have money that got wet in the hurricanes. And when wet currency dries, it actually becomes like a rock. And we have people who've been doing this for 25 and 30 years, and they've developed a lot of methods for determining how much currency is there. And we'll redeem it for them and send out a U.S. Treasury check to them for their currency. I heard a podcast recently on that process. I think it was on Planet Money, and it was just fascinating. (laughs) steps they went through to recover some of this money and find out the value. It's an amazing process. Yeah, we've gotten some incredibly interesting cases that have come in. Uh, There was a family that had uh, currency stored in their attic, and squirrels got into their attic, and they used the currency to make a wonderful nest to lay in. Imagine that. Those squirrels were living good, uh, and they sent it in to us, and we were able to redeem a considerable amount of that. A number of years ago, a farmer gentleman had his wallet, and the cow ate the wallet. Oh, no. He ended up having the cow uh, slaughtered, got the contents of the stomach, sent them into us, and we still redeemed them for him. There was one case that we refused to redeem, and we call it the Doberman case. 
And that's where somebody's dog chewed up several hundred dollar bills and swallowed them. And they sent us in the processed hundred dollar bills that came out at the end. We told them if they would clean it and send it in, we'd be happy to process it. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? Let's start by meeting Len and Lydia and getting a brief review of the accessibility features they described to us in a previous episode from almost two years ago, as well as some of the updates on what they're doing about accessibility features. And by the way, that episode in which we spoke with, at the time, just Len, won the International Association of Audio Information Services Program Award in the interview category in 2016, and that was episode 1644. So here we are at the Bureau of Engraving in Printing, which we talked about several years ago on the show, and let's our hosts introduce themselves here. Lydia? Uh, Hi, I'm Lydia Washington, Lead Public Affairs Specialist at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. And she was kind enough to set this all up for us and work out this interview and tour of the facilities. And then Len? And I'm Len Oliar. I like to say I'm the $850 million man. That's what I make in a day. I'm the director of the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. They don't let you keep it all. That's the bad side of it. No, they don't let me keep any of it. When we last interviewed you, it was a couple of years ago, and you were telling us and our listeners about what's new in features that were on the bills to make it so that especially people with vision loss could still identify them. Can you recap where we were, and then we'll get into what's new since then? I I think where we were a number of years ago is that uh, we were looking for different denomination patterns that we could uh, put on the note and different materials that we would use to apply it, and different ink ingredients that would give it additional tactility as well. And now? And now we've settled on a pattern that we're going to be using for the denomination. Uh, The ink is settled. What we are looking at is we've got two different application methods, one using Intellio presses, and one using a coating and embossed presses. And what kind of press do you use for the regular print on the money? The coloration on the notes is printed on an offset press. The rest of the note is printed using an Intellio press. What is special about Intellio press? We'll start off by telling you an offset press. An offset press is just ink put on a plate, and it's laid right on top of the paper. An intaglio press uses an engraved plate, which has depth dug into, and there's grooves in the plate. And then when it goes through the press, about 20,000 pounds per square inch of pressure is applied to the paper, and it picks up the ink, and it gets the unique tactility of the United States currency that you feel today. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is what the Bureau of Engraving and Printing is doing to make U.S. currency more accessible, including the money reader that they provide for free to help blind and print-impaired users identify the different bills. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about these accessibility features that will be put on the new denominations at some point in the future. But maybe you can remind our listeners about the process you went through to decide on how to make these tactile features and what features you were going to put on the bills to make them more accessible. And then tell us about kind of the status now and when we might expect these features to be seen in bills that people will be using. Well, I'll start off. The primary driver for currency redesign is security. So in addition to working on a tactile feature, we're doing a lot of work on security features. Uh, we redesigned to stay ahead of the counterfeiters. So that's the primary driver in the timeline for development. But as we looked at putting a tactile feature and testing various notes and patterns, of course, we looked around the world to see what others are doing. We did an incredible amount of testing with focus groups, uh, working with different blind organizations, American Council for the Blind, National Federation of the Blind, and several others. We would go out and take the most recent trial runs and see how they performed both in a new note perspective right off the press, and we would do a simulated wear testing as well and take those to see how they did. And we continued to, I'll say, narrow the range of uh, features and options for applying it and what the pattern would look like till we are where we are today. We're down to the two application methods and a settled on a pattern. And during the interview, Nancy and I got to preview some of the proposed tactile bills, and I got to actually feel them. That was kind of cool to be able to identify a bill by its feel. Now, they haven't finalized their design yet, but I'm looking forward to those coming out in a few years. That might be more convenient than the way you fold your different denominations these days. I'll bet. So this sounds a little bit more challenging than just changing the look of the note, but for many years you've had features to make it easier for people with low vision to identify notes. Can you describe some of those? Yes. Uh, our, our commitment going forward is that we're going to continue to use the enlarged high-contrast numeral that's on, on the back of the notes today. Uh, as we redesign additional denominations, we're going to be adding that feature so that those who have some vision are able to use that to uh, identify the different denominations. Now, this has been quite an extensive process. Can you tell us when this got started and when we might eventually see some of these new features on the bills? When we started the uh, tactile feature effort, we went out and hired a contractor to look for us on what are the different ways we could provide uh, reasonable accommodation and access to a currency for those who are blind and visually impaired. And we ended up settling on a three-method approach. One is the uh, enlarged numeral on the back that uh, we had said we were going to continue to do. The second is the currency reader program that is active today, and over 60,000 readers have been requested to date, and the reader can denominate each currency you note, you put it in, you press a button, and it will tell you the denomination. It will vibrate for the denomination to tell you what it is. And, you know, that's been very successful thus far. And the third piece was the tactile feature, and that's where we've done the most research and development. And we've been involved in this for eight-plus years in the development of a tactile feature. Uh, we're trying to find something that is extremely durable, in circulation, 
and will last as long as the note lasts. Uh, and uh, there's nobody out there in the world who has that at this point mm -hmm. in time. So it's been a lot of research and development. At the same time, as I mentioned, we're talking about the redesign. We're doing a lot of uh, security feature development as well because we don't want a security feature that everybody else is using because they're already being counterfeited. Mm -hmm. Lydia, you just pulled one of your readers out of your pocket. Can you describe it? Well, this is the iBuild Currency Reader. Uh, it's about an inch and a half, maybe two inches long. Um, it's about the size of a normal key fob, and in general, uh, you would slip the corner of a note inside of the lip of the bill. Oh my okay. gosh, he just pulled out a $100 bill. We don't see those very often. I always carry our product. <laughs> There are two buttons on either end of the device, and essentially you only have to push one of them if it's already in for it to be able to denominate it, but it has to lay flat in the machine. There you go. Hundred. And the iBill Currency Reader, of course, you can obtain from the federal government, from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, for free. That's at no cost to people who are blind or visually impaired uh, legal residents of the United States. And how would they contact you to get that? You can either contact us directly at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. Uh, you can either go through our website at www.bep.gov, or you can actually request one by calling 844-815-9388. And completed applications should be mailed to the U.S. Currency Reader Program, 14th and C Streets, Southwest, Washington, D.C., 20228. So you talked about security being one of your main concerns, and when we walked in here, you showed us some sample bills that you were testing, and I know you don't want to talk about the details of these bills, but I thought just in terms of people understanding the process you go through and, and kind of the extremes you go through to make sure things are secure, but yet you're testing out new things, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that test and the bills we saw when we initially came in. What we have is what we call a test note, and it, it looks very similar to currency note. It's got a border and a portrait on it. And as we want to add possible features, whether they be security features or tactile features to the note, we will put them on the note, or some of them actually go into the note. There are threads embedded in the note. And then we run them all the way through our manufacturing process because we've got to make sure it works all the way through to delivery. Some of these security features we find are very restrictive and hard to print. Uh, some of them are too thick even to make it through our machines when we stack 100 notes in a stack and we're doing the cutting. Some of them create too much waviness in the currency and make it very difficult to package. So we've got to make sure that we're focused on manufacturability as well. But then you also test for usability and durability. Once the notes come off the press, that's the next step from a security feature as well as a tactile feature perspective. How does the public react to that? Does it work for the target audience that we're using? We test with you know people who see well with the security features and are they able to use them? And on the tactile features, as I mentioned, we do a, a lot of outreach to uh, groups that uh, National Federation of the Blind, American Council of the Blind, and get them to do testing for us and find out how effective the notes are and, and how well they're able to do, identify each specific denomination. 
Well, and one thing you pointed out on the test bills you showed us was, yes, there's a portrait, and yes, it's roughly the same shape as any of the other bills that we see frequently, but it was a different portrait of a different person. So, you know, it kind of looked like it might have been money, but if anybody managed to get one out of the building, it would obviously not be money. That's exactly why we use that as a test note, because we are taking them out to people in the public and giving them opportunities to test that. And we don't want to give anybody a heads up on what possible future currency designs could look like, because design is part of security for us. So in just a bit, you're going to be taking us on a tour of your facilities and the production line and what happens when bills are made, but we won't be able to take our recording equipment. So I was wondering if you could give our listeners a quick overview of what we'll be seeing and what kind of things will be going on in your facility. Well, you'll, you'll start with uh, the paper coming in the door, which is really not paper. It is a combination of cotton and linen. And the linen fibers are much longer than the cotton fibers and give our currency a unique durability. Our $1 note lasts longer than anybody else's in the world. It actually lasts longer than the polymer notes that are in circulation in some countries. A lot of people were surprised at that. The, the nice thing about our note is that it's made of fibers. And one of the printing processes that I'll talk about, we're using about 20,000 pounds per square inch of pressure to put the ink on, and it's really going into the fibers. Mm -hmm. so, so that gives it great durability. The plastic notes are very smooth, and the ink lays on top of the plastic. So after about three and a half or four years, it rubs off. Our $1 note lasts almost six years today. Well, the other thing it facilitates, for some of us who are a little bit careless, I have inadvertently tested the um, durability through a wash cycle. And the U.S. bills do just fine, but some of our friends have come back from Europe, for example, with euros in their pocket, and they inadvertently run it through the wash cycle, and then the ink is gone, and that's disappointing. Yeah, that's a, that's a sign of, of, the, of the smoothness of the note and how it's not embedded into the uh, fibers. We actually do a washing machine test for our currency as we're developing new inks and features. So what else are we going to see? Well, the first thing you'll see after the paper is it goes into the offset press. And an offset press is similar to what's being used to print newspapers, for example. There is no depth of engraving. It's just ink laid on a plate, and it's applied, I'll say, with a kiss to the paper. They just meet. The ink comes off the blanket roller on the press and goes onto the currency paper. After that, it has to dry for three days before we go into the intaglio printing. Uh, you don't want to start printing before the ink is dry at the next stage. Uh, and intaglio printing, there's a back printing and a face printing, and that's using a press that is applying 20,000 pounds per square inch, and it's using an engraved plate. The ink is applied to the engraving. It goes into the etching in the plate, and then that 20,000 pounds per square inch of pressure is applied first at the back press, and then at the face press. And then what happens to it? Then it undergoes an intermediate inspection process, and the uh, 32 subject sheets are cut down into two 16 subject sheets. The margins are trimmed, and then it is forwarded to, I'll say, the final stage, which is currency overprinting, and that is the application of both the seals 
and the serial numbers that are on the note. Each note has a unique serial number on it, which will enable us to uh, validate what is true currency and what isn't. If somebody is counterfeiting and printing their own, we know every serial number that's ever been put on circulation on each denomination. And we can actually trace it back to when we printed it at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. We've been on the public tour about every 10 years, and we always find it fascinating. And as I recall, the last step is you have a small army of staff looking at each of these sheets of bills and pulling out anything that isn't perfect. So nothing gets out of here unless it's the way it's supposed to be. We've actually automated that inspection process, and we are now using an electronic inspection method that the machines will sort out those that are good and those that are bad. So you'll see something new on your tour that we find that the machine is much more consistent and reliable. Uh, just imagine if you were spending your whole day looking at currency sheets and notes and, and, and inspecting them. It's, it's, it was a very challenging position that they had. We actually had to give them frequent breaks so that they could rest their eyes in doing that. And the automation has helped us to improve the quality and consistency of notes that are going out into circulation. So I guess at the end, these notes get bundled up into little packages. And where do they go from here? BEP at each of our facilities has an on-site currency vault that the, the work goes into. Uh, but once it is needed for circulation, the Federal Reserve Board requests that we ship it to whatever bank needs the currency. And we're doing shipping every day, going to the various, uh, there's 12 Federal Reserve Banks and a number of branch banks around the country that we send our notes to. And at those banks, they are taking worn notes out of circulation and replacing them with the new notes. In addition to adding more currency into circulation as demand believe it or not, is continuing to increase for United States currency. It's not going away. And demand actually increased another 4.5% this year. People love our currency, but it's not just the United States currency. It's the world currency. So some of it actually gets shipped abroad as well. That's interesting. I would have thought with all these means of electronic payments and some countries even trying to get away from using cash at all, that uh, I'm surprised the, the amount of currency is you needed is going up. Actually, it's, it is fairly a global phenomenon other than those countries that I'll say are being extremely aggressive in eliminating their currency. And one of the reasons is, let's talk a little bit about what happened in Puerto Rico, unfortunately, uh, this summer. There was a devastating hurricane that uh, hit Puerto Rico. The electronic infrastructure went down entirely. There was no way to process credit card transactions. ATMs wouldn't. So how were they able to do any type of transactions? I'll say it's the good old United States dollar. The piece of paper worked well. And we actually did, the Federal Reserve made, we did emergency printing. They did emergency shipments to send currency over to Puerto Rico. And I actually talked yesterday to a couple of tourists who were here from Puerto Rico. And the woman said that they keep a sizable amount of cash in their house because in her lifetime, they've been through three hurricanes and they've seen what happens. And then we got to take the tour, and 
We were really lucky. They were so nice to us. They took us on a behind-the-scenes tour. We got to walk around the various printing presses, which were very loud and all working and going lickety-split. We could smell the ink. We could touch the bills at various stages of production. And towards the end, they let us hold an enormous block of $20 bills. Boy, was it heavy. Bundled into a package of $160,000. Probably the last time we'll hold that much money at one time in our hands, huh? Oh, that's a good bet. Well, it was certainly the first time, anyway. <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> true. Well, that certainly was a lot of fun. And we thank you and Lydia for the opportunity to see your facility up close. It was great. We really appreciate it. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Bureau of Engraving and Printing and its efforts to improve the accessibility of U.S. currency, and how you can take a tour of their facilities. So if anybody wanted to come on a tour of the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, and even the regular public tour is fascinating and free to people with certifiable disabilities, where would you send them? It's free to everybody, but uh, you have your choice of tours, actually. We've got a printing facility at uh, 14th and C Street in uh, Washington, D.C., and there's a public tour also at the uh, Western Currency Facilities on Blue Mound Road in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And we'll be starting our ticketing system in Washington, D.C. at the end of March for extended tour hours. Um, Ticketing season itself generally runs between March and August of every year. So you need to get them in advance, line up around 8 o'clock in the morning. That's when the ticket booth opens. Um, The tours are generally from 9 to 2, Monday through Friday. When extended hours come into play, they'll be open from 9 to 6. And I presume they can go to your website to find out more about the tours and scheduling and more about the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in general. Exactly. You can go to www.bep.gov. And if you're on social media, you can look us up at U.S. Money Factory. And, and that's on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, and Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And again, maybe a quick reminder if people want to avail themselves of procuring a, one of your money readers. You want to obtain a currency reader, you can either go to our website at www.bep.gov. You can download an application there. You can also telephone us at... 844-815-9388. If you're a member of the National Library Service, you don't have to pay for them either. You can contact your representative there, and they'll get a currency reader out to you. It takes approximately four weeks to get one. And I will mention that we do attend a number of conferences for the blind and visually impaired at ACB, NFB, and at those conferences, we have representatives there who will help you with the process, and they have readers with them there to hand out as well. So if you are interested in obtaining your own money reader or taking a tour of the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, you'll find all the contact information we just talked about in our show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And as Lydia mentioned, there's also an app available for identifying U.S. currency on the App Store and on the Google Play Store. And we talked about that in our previous episode, but you'll find information on that in our show notes also. 
That's it for show number 1822. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with a colorblind visual effects artist. He's got fine acuity, but he's got a very severe color impairment. And colorblindness affects about 1 in 12 men, but only 1 in 250 women. And for most people, this isn't a problem. But what if your profession requires a good color sense? We'll speak with Toby Derrig, a colorblind visual effects artist, about how he compensates for this deficiency in his daily life and in performing his job. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.